0: What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award winning Evan Grant.
1: I can't even count anymore on my fingers and Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-shoot. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another fascinating, inspiring edition of Ballsy, the sports paper. You just, you Day you just put everybody podcast.
2: to sleep already. What? Hey, Mark. Well, uh, hold on. Why don't we start wait, 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 introducing no, no. ourselves first? Go ahead. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn, and our guest today is the voice, television voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Falwell. How are
0: you, Mark? I'm great. I'm uh, disappointed that Evan and I can't break down the possibility of tony barnett working out as a long man in the ranger bullpen and <laughs> who the other lefty along with jake diekman is going to be i know sam Freeman's out of options but andrew faulkner does have options so there's a lot guy. to talk about on that front you, 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 you Tessun, know more Ian.
2: about you, we're going to talk mavericks but obviously you know more about the rangers than we do but before <laughs> we start,
1: you're practically a seam head
2: be- before we start i just want to ask you when we had brad sham on he did a, 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 a critique of our open and he just savaged us as, as a professional broadcaster How'd you like the open?
0: The open was solid. You know, I'm not the type the type of guy to uh, savage other broadcasters. I understand <laughs> the challenge of the job. Wow. I especially it's like to sit in that chair. So, uh, so hey, look, thumbs up to your guys' open, and thanks for having me on. It's yeah. so much appreciated.
1: Yeah, especially uh, for a couple of amateurs like me and Barry. All right, sure. let, let's talk about the, the, the obviously the, the latest thing that's happened with the Mavericks is adding David Lee. Uh, and, you know, uh, there there was some uh, talk out there, for, I, I, at least I got some feedback from fans and, and chats and, and, you know, Twitter and whatever, people saying, uh, you know, really, what's this guy got left? What could he offer? Well, I think he's kind of shown
0: that since he's been there, hasn't he? He has shown that. I think that the situation in Boston just sort of got him buried in the rotation. To his credit, he worked really hard anticipating a trade or a buyout so he would be able to start contributing immediately to his new team. I thought, since he hadn't played since January, the 10th guys, that he would have a hard time coming in and doing a whole lot initially. I thought we had to really manage our expectations. But the work he's done has put him in a position to really perform well. I mean, he's averaging 10 points and 9 rebounds in his first three games. And I like what I've seen so far. Uh, he's, he's helping. He was really instrumental in the game against Denver whenever the Mavs had to go small and the comeback in the second half. And I thought he had a very good game against Minnesota, too. So thumbs up so far for David
1: Lee. You know, Eddie Sefko wrote a story the other day, uh, our, our Mavericks Beat guy, saying that, well, now, if David Lee comes in and if he's playing well, this is going to cost some people some minutes, uh, particularly Zaza Pachulia. And, and I don't want to diminish anything that Zaza has done this year. He's been a revelation for the Mavericks this season I don't think anybody thought he would play as well as he has but I'll say this I don't have any problem if he sits down uh four or five more minutes to let David Lee play do you
0: no not at all I think that the David Lee minutes impact it's going to be positive on one hand because Patrulia will get the chance to rest a little bit more and I think we've seen signs that Zaza's had some more difficult games lately because he's wearing down and this is the most minutes that he's played in a long time he's played more than this in his career but it's been several seasons since he's put up this kind of workload The negative impact for the David Lee minutes that he's going to absorb is guys like Dwight Powell aren't going to be playing very much going forward. So, younger players, uh, you know, Salah Mejri's minutes will probably be pretty uh, situationally based. He did play some against Oklahoma City, but then didn't play against Denver and only played at the tail end of the game against Minnesota on Sunday night. So, some players will probably get a positive boost because it will allow them to rest some more, like Zaza. Some players out of this will get a negative boost because Lee will take away their minutes, they won't get much of an opportunity uh, to play.
2: If I'm a Maverick fan and I'm concerned more about the team's long-term future, should I be worried that the younger players uh, are taking a hit on this? That th- they won't be out there, uh, you know, showing what they can do, getting some? Experience? Well,
0: you know, I, I mean, in the case of Powell, I mean, that's the one. That's the one younger player that really gets his minutes eaten into here. I don't know that the 20 games remaining in the season or 22 games remaining in the season that it's going to cost him consistent minutes, presumably. I'm not sure that's going to make or break his development. Uh, We've seen some good things out of Powell this year. And then the Mavs are going to have a decision to make on him next year. I mean, who knows if he's even part of their future plans or not. I would assume that they're going to take a pretty thorough examination at it. I don't think they're ready to cast him aside, but they are going to have a decision to make about him among many other players this off-season. So I don't know that I would be too alarmed about it. I think from the Mavs' perspective, uh, from day one of training camp, I'll take my cues from Dirk. And he said the goal for this team this year is to make the playoffs. And so I think that's how Dirk and Rick and everyone else is looking at things right now. The, the, what can they do to put themselves in the best position for the remaining 20 plus games of the season. So
1: where did where do these Mavs make the playoffs then? You know, do they you know, there's obviously it's been some hope that they could work their way up to a fifth seed and avoid some of the heavyweights in the West in the first round of the playoffs. Um, Does that look doable to you or do you feel like that they're probably my my personal projection was was that they'll end up with a sixth seed. What uh, do you do you have uh, any projection on that?
0: Well, I think that, number one, I think that at this point there's four heavyweights. It's not just three heavyweights. I think even if you get to five, you've got a heavyweight to deal with in the Clippers. Clearly there is a difference between Golden State and San Antonio and Oklahoma City, but the Clippers are still very, very formidable, and I think they made a very good addition with getting Jeff Green at the trade deadline. So anything that you've got in terms of being in the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff bracket, you're facing an extraordinarily difficult first-round matchup because the West is so top-heavy this year. In my opinion, five is going to be a difficult ask for Dallas because even though Memphis is without Gasol, their schedule still sets up that with the talent that they still have on their team, I think it's going to be tough to catch them for five. I just think there's too many games based on their schedule that they should theoretically win between now and the end of the season for someone to be able to catch them. Dallas is... One sort of saving grace in that is that they will have, a, they have a control of their own destiny regarding the tiebreaker with Memphis. They still play them once, and they already have a 2-1 season series lead against the Grizzlies. So theoretically, you could tie them and you would surpass them on the tiebreaker. So I guess there still is a little bit of a window open. But really, to me, it's, it's Dallas and Portland and Houston and Utah. It's four teams battling for three spots. Portland is so hot right now. That they've got a great shot at six as well. I think uh, the games on March 20th and March 23rd are going to be really, really important. Those are two games against Portland. The Mavs already have a 1 0 season series lead, and those are the only two games remaining. So obviously, those two games will determine who's going to win the tiebreaker in the season series, and that may go a long way towards determining out of those two who could be six and seven. And Houston's got a tough schedule, Utah's got difficult games ahead. So everybody's got a tough path to navigate, and somebody Who's shown themselves to be an OK team is going to be left out in the cold when this is all done here in a few weeks.
2: All right, let's think positively. Which of the top three teams would you rather see the Mavericks play? That's thinking positive. Well, <laughs> they yeah, play one I of them. Know. Well, <laughs> who do they match up best against uh, of those three teams?
0: I mean, I'm not trying to evade your question, Barry, but they're just they're all extraordinarily difficult matchups. And I'm not to, to say who do they match up best with. Would imply to me that any of the three matchups are good, and I just you know they aren't. I mean, let's just be honest. About okay, it. okay.
2: Which city do you want to go uh, on the road <laughs> to and have dinner? <laughs> in? Well,
0: the flights are shorter to Oklahoma City and San Antonio. Yeah, there I you go. Love, I do love San Francisco; it's my favorite city to go to in the NBA. So there's uh, there's always a little bit of a cost-benefit analysis of all of these potential stops. But but I look at um, you know Golden State is obviously. I mean, these guys may break the record for the most wins in a season, so who wants to tangle with that? San Antonio has demolished Dallas twice this year. Uh, The Mavs did give them a very good game right before Thanksgiving, but that's ancient history as far as an NBA season goes. And when I look at Oklahoma City, the most competitive games that Dallas has played this year against any of those top three, I mean, I know they beat Golden State, but we all obviously understand that there was, you know, Steph Curry didn't play, among others, for Golden State that night. So I guess if you look at regular season matchups to this point, the team that Dallas has been most competitive with is Oklahoma City. They played them to uh, missing a tying three-pointer at the buzzer twice. And then the game last week got away from Dallas in the second half, but they did lead in the third quarter. So uh, they're all – Look, they're all extremely, extraordinarily difficult matchups, but based on the regular season, clearly the Mavs have at least played more competitively against Oklahoma City than any of those teams. But the thing about it is, guys, is Oklahoma City has this one really good skill in terms of rebounding, and that's not even factoring in Durant and Westbrook. But they're so good at rebounding, and you guys have seen the Mavs enough to know that that is still a weak area for the team this year and, and last, last week's game, I'm sorry. I mean, that was a dominant effort by Oklahoma City for stretches on the glass, and that's why they were able to, to open up a pretty significant lead in the game.
1: So, you know, I, I want to ask you this, because I feel this way, and I think Barry feels this way sometimes. Don't speak for me. I'm just trying to. Okay. Somebody needs to. <laughs> is is that, uh, all right, this is a this is a franchise that's won an, uh, an NBA title. And, and so there's a little bit of a, the expectations get ratcheted up a little bit higher because of that. And so – just simply making the playoffs doesn't seem to be good enough anymore, you know. And even even the talk of, well, you know, maybe if we get it, get the fifth seed and, and, and get the Clippers, which would be better than playing one of the top three, even though that's still a daunting task, as you pointed out, um, that is that really good enough? Is everybody happy if the Mavericks go into the second round and, and lose? Uh, you know, so tell me why Mavericks fans should be happy about that. On well, the first round. Or, 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 that's what I mean. Even if you could get, past, if you could sure. get past the first round okay. and get into the second round, right?
0: Well, to me, uh, you know, when I look at this season, Kevin, um, I think there's a couple of things that I examine about why the Mavs and fans should be happy about making the playoffs. Number one, not making the playoffs doesn't do you any good in terms of the situation with your draft pick because it's going to end up going to Boston. There's no way to have a team with the talent that Dallas had on it, even after the DeAndre thing that went down this past offseason, uh, there still was just no realistic way to envision going low enough in the standings to keep your pick. It's top seven protected for the, uh, you know, the unfortunate Rondo trade that didn't work out. So That's the Dwight me, Powell trade about,
1: uh, now, as, as Donnie points out. Yes,
0: yes, the Dwight Powell trade. I'm sorry, that is, that is true. He does call it that now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to keep your pick. So, to me, uh, you know, there's no real benefit into – having a year where you drop down into the lottery, because I don't think there was any way to fix it where you could drop down far enough to not be able uh, to, to not have to convey your pick, that is, to the Boston Celtics. And then the other thing is, I think, uh, you know, as we all know, the DeAndre situation was certainly a difficult one for Dallas last off season, and it's not a big thing that I want to get into about the fact that he changed his mind. But the one thing that did happen is that he made a decision and then didn't do anything about it for five days. And so the Mavs were effectively shut out of the significant free agent market and the free agent shopping for five days last offseason. To their credit, they were able to figure out a couple of things through the trade market and through Darren Williams getting bought out in Brooklyn to bring some talent on board uh, and to make this a competitive team this year. But for me, all season long, I felt like that the Mavs were going to be faced with a prospect of making the best out of a really tough and difficult situation this year, and whatever best they could make out of it, then then my thought process about it was I would be happy with it, because clearly they got uh, dealt a pretty difficult hand with what happened for those five days last summer. And so that's why I would be happy, and that's why I would hope that, that uh, long-time fans of the team would be happy that they were able to uh, do the best with a difficult, tough situation, and hopefully that best is going to include getting into the
2: playoffs. Well, uh, since Kevin brought up expectations, uh, did you ever hear booing at the AAC uh, the way you the way that the fans booed the Mavericks on uh, Friday night against Denver?
0: I can't give you a specific time. I do feel like, yes, I've heard booing significantly worse than that in the past.
2: Were you surprised? I'm sorry? Were you surprised
0: at that at, point? No, I wasn't. I mean, they look terrible in the first half against Denver. So no, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, it was number one. Denver is, you know, and I, I don't want to uh, be, uh, you know, to put down another team, but they came in with a record twelve games below five hundred, So people are going to look at that, and and you're not going to say, oh, will they just beat the Clippers on the, the the game two nights before? And people are going to see a, a bad record, and they're going to under, they're not going to understand why you're not competitive with them. And let's face it, the Mavs had long stretches the first half where they simply were non-competitive, and they were getting their tails kicked in every aspect of the game. And I think every coach and every player involved in that game would say that's exactly what was going on. So I, I wasn't surprised that there were some scattered boos. I didn't think that it was something that was going on across the board, but it was certainly audible. I mean, you could hear it. I mean, there were boos in the crowd on Friday night, and as bad as some stretches of that game were going, as dreadfully as they were playing at times, I wasn't the least bit surprised by it because it was a pretty ugly little stretch, which, uh, fortunately, they're able to bounce back from.
1: Now, we've talked about what their chances are in the playoffs, uh, and Barry brought up earlier talking about uh, you know building for next year. Uh, I want to talk about specifically... Uh, one player that to me, other than Pachulia, who's, who's really played uh, just unbelievably well in my mind, the guy who surprised me the most is Ray Ray. What, what is up with, with Raymond Felton? How, how does he go from a guy who was a throw-in on a deal, you have to take this guy to make this package work, and who sat on the bench all last year, and this year, he's the best closer on the team. How does that happen?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of things to talk about there, and it's a great question, and I think it's a great story. and love talking about it. For Felton, number one, early last season, and the preseason, as a matter of fact, he suffered a pretty significant ankle injury. That, In talking with some of the folks with the Mavs, is one of the most serious ankle injuries and one of the most, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess unique ankle injuries they've ever seen for an NBA player. The torque involved to twist up and sprain his ankle the way it was last season and the preseason was the kind of thing that you would not expect to see on an NBA basketball court. The torque involved to do that was more something like what you would expect to see on an NFL football field. So it was a really serious injury that took a long time to recover, and and let's face it, whenever he had recovered, then he had a suspension that he had to serve for that uh, gun charge that had happened the previous season with the New York Knicks, and his season just never really got off the ground. And so that's why you had a player who played less than 300 minutes last season. Uh, The one thing about it is, though, that the guy is on the last year of a contract. He's 31 years old. There's a lot of pride there with Felton. And I think people, because maybe he was sort of lost when he was in Charlotte early in his career, people didn't realize it. But this was a player who had the ball in his hands a lot in late-game situations and hit a lot of big shots and hit a lot of late-game shots and game winners and that sort of thing. So... Uh, I think you have a, uh, a past career performance that suggests that he could do it. And then you have a guy who's healthy, and you have a player with pride, and you have a player facing a contract situation this off season, and clearly uh, another disappointing season would have left – his place in the league in some sort of question at uh, turning 32 years old this upcoming offseason. So I think all of these things play a factor in why Felton
2: has been so fantastic for the Mavs, especially in late-game situations this year. Will, Will he be back next year, do you think? Do you see him fitting in?
0: Man, that's a great question. And was, it be- was
2: it better than Kevin's question? Because you no, said his question was, was great. Too. I was going to ask the same question, so you don't get any credit. You
0: care, know, I, I feel like uh, man, this show is so competitive. It is. It's very competitive competition
1: between you guys. We got a chalkboard <laughs> in here, and we're putting marks up on
0: the board. <laughs> you- They're all great questions, and, and I, I just had this conversation with someone last night about the fact that I would love to see a way to bring Raymond Felton back here. However, you've got two other backup guards who are on long-term contracts. I mean, well, long-term is a relative, I guess, relative term in the NBA these days. But you've got Devin signed for two more years and J.J. Borea signed for three more years. And I think that one of the things that the Mavs have to look at in the off-season is getting bigger in the backcourt and not having to play small in the backcourt so frequently. So um, I would love to see Felton back here because of the things that he's done in late-game situations this year. Uh, the Mavs will probably have to do some things in terms of the composition of their roster for it to make sense, number one. And then the money's going to have to be right for Dallas. and The money's going to have to be right for Felton, because understandably uh, the window is closing on opportunities for him to go out into the market and earn a big salary. Um, and, and big, of course, again, is relatively speaking to the rest of us, maybe not to the to, to a lot of the NBA world, that big relative to the rest of us. Um, so So there's... There's question marks that both sides and things that both sides are going to have to examine this off season. But I would love to see it work out because I love how he works off a of pick and roll and gets inside, and he really looks to go to the basket. And that ability of his and that desire of his to get into the paint has been pretty pretty significant for some doubt for some wins for Dallas this season.
1: There's no question about that. And I think what you just pointed out was that the problem is going to be bringing him back. I just don't see that working. But you you talk about getting bigger, and that's obviously something they need to do, especially against uh, an OKC when you play those guys and, and trying to match up against Russell Westbrook, which is a nightmare for anybody, but at least somebody who has some size. Is Justin Anderson, is, that a, is it possible that he's that answer next year?
0: Oh, I think that he's got to be in the next next season. Rick likes him a lot and has been very, very um, effusive might be a strong word. The coaches generally, as you guys know, you've covered a lot of NBA coaches and it's hard to get coaches to praise rookies a whole lot but rick said some really positive things about him and the times this year when Anderson's been able to work his way into the rotation, which hasn't been a lot, but recently, for example, when Devin Harris was injured, Anderson was in the rotation on a consistent basis for the two or three weeks that Devin was out with his toe injury. So I think Justin Anderson's got to be getting a longer look next season. And, and of course, he's going to have something to do with that because how he works this offseason and what he does between year one and year two will be important. I always point out that I heard Jimmy Johnson say many, many years ago, that for a player in the National Football League, the most important time in their career was what happened between the end of their first season and the beginning of their second season. And I think that you could make an argument that there's some things that you could look at from an analogy standpoint that would be comparable in the NBA. This is going to be an important time for Anderson. He's going to have a lot of work to do and a lot of information, to process that he learned in his rookie season, and hopefully he'll be able to start making that work into terms of getting on the floor more consistently next year. They need it.
2: Let me ask. Let me change the subject real quickly. I just I have a question. I'm sitting here listening to you. T- you talk. Your voice. When you were in third grade, did you have the <laughs> deepest voice in the class?
0: I did not. No. No. There was. Uh... I don't, did you Did you guys watch the Brady Bunch growing up? <laughs> yes.
2: Are, we were okay, the Brady Bunch. Are you kidding? I, I was not growing yeah. up. I think I, I was in my 30s when it came on the air. But I that's don't, I believe,
0: okay, you were not, Barry. I don't believe that. Uh, do you remember the episode, the Peter Brady episode, where his voice started doing this <laughs> all the time <laughs> when it was changing? So uh, okay. I don't feel like uh, I ever went through the Peter Brady uh yeah, you know, they they even had like the Brady Bunch kids try to sing a song, and it was uh, about being time to change. And and Peter was cracking notes all throughout the time whenever the Brady Bunch kids broke out into song. So I never went through the voice cracking stage. It's just one day it was uh, it was a little bit higher, and then another, the next day it was it was a whole lot lower. The unfortunate thing though was that uh, there was still. Um, some growing up in Louisville and just in Texas that I had to kind of work out of that a little bit. You know, I, I, always, tell, I always tell the story of that uh, there was a really good friend of mine growing up whose name was Tim, T-I-M. But if you heard me say it, it was a lot more elongated than that when my, when my good friend was named Tim.
1: So, <laughs> so you've lost your West Texas accent?
0: Y y u u u m m m Tim! <laughs> so when I had to uh I had to iron that aspect of my voice out a little bit. So Did that was the big that was the big change that occurred from from third grade going forward.
2: Did Bill Mercer slap that out of you?
0: <laughs> no, he just uh he just said be careful about how much you criticize officials. So <laughs> that was that was his big uh, critique early on whenever he would listen to Louisville high school football games that we we would do on KNTU and the, the almost sardonic Level of commentary about some of the officiating that was going on. So, Bill was a great teacher, though. I mean, he's a, 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 a real story in this market in terms of what he did professionally and then what he did mentoring and teaching a lot of us who have made our way into the business from
2: North Texas. Of, and, course, of and, course, of course, of course. Let me interrupt you. We're talking about Bill Mercer, who was a voice of the Cowboys, a voice of the the Rangers, and, yep. and, and to, to my generation, the voice of professional wrestling in this area yeah did
1: you see where he was in Bug kennedy's column the other day about uh, donald trump in which they compare donald trump to uh uh W-E-E or wwe whatever that wwe wwe uh, uh, wrestlers
0: oh no i did not see that you should go back and
1: check that out Bug kennedy in okay. the fort worth star telegram terrific columnist
0: i'll hey. check that out for sure no you know uh bill will always tell the story that that uh he was more recognized in Israel and Japan and all these places that world-class championship wrestling would be beamed to on satellite. He was more recognized there than he was in his own neighborhood because of the popularity <laughs> well, of, of that uh, wrestling promotion yeah, in the 1980s. You know, yeah, it,
2: it, it was unbelievable. I think I, I spent every Saturday night home watching that, not that I couldn't get yeah. a date. That tells first, you a lot about Barry Horne. But I was married at the time, too. But, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of criticism, Even more so. do, do, you, do you ever hear from uh, your bosses at the Mavericks about your broadcasts? Uh, do they ever have any general criticisms of you, particularly? No, no, him? really.
0: No, no. I mean, my relationship, as I always tell people, with Mar- about Mark Cuban is very, very positive. Uh, it's not as much interaction as you might think. I mean, obviously, as we know, at this stage of his career, uh, or I don't know if career is the right way to put it, at this stage of his life, Mark is a man of a lot of interest and a lot of things going on in his life. So he's got a lot more on his radar than a little old Mark Folliwell. I can promise you that. So uh, the more immediate people that I would deal with from a supervisory capacity with the Mavs have been nothing but positive about how how things go. And, and yeah, from a critique standpoint, I mean, we're always looking to get better. And, and, you know, the person who's out there critiquing me more than anyone is me. And so, you know, like any guy who does play-by-play, I go back, and I like to watch the games because I like to see how – uh, you know, we handled certain aspects of the game or phrasing if I you know you never want to fall into patterns, so I always look and listen to see i 'm saying this particular verb too much or this particular phrase too much and i'm you know do I need to be giving Derek a more opportunity to say something or skin did I cut him off at a particular point so I, I think, like I said, the person who's probably more critical of their work uh, as it relates to with the Mavs is me.
1: Here's what you're telling your bosses, though. There's too many guys in the booth. We got to get rid of one of these guys. Either no. heart or skin has to go, right? That's what you're I love telling. Man
0: booth. <laughs> you know the great thing about it is I love uh, the the unique energy that and unique things that he has to say that Skin brings to the broadcast. So uh, I think it brings out uh, a little bit of a different side of me. And I think whenever you can bring out your own personal side and your character and your personality, then you're always going to connect with a with a fan base that's watching. And let's face it, when you're in these long season sports like baseball or basketball or hockey, where you play a lot of sports and Viewers are inviting you into their home or radio listeners, as, as you know the case might be with, with Eric Nadel or Coop or when I used to do radio. When people are inviting you into their homes for many, many nights a year, I think you've got to connect with them on a personal level as well. And Those guys and my relationship with them and the things that they say that draw out the personal side of me, I think is a good thing for all of us.
2: Let me ask you one last question for me. What's with you and uh, Premier League soccer?
0: I just enjoy the sport. I like soccer a lot. I always have. Um, And then many, many years ago, I did PA at the stadium at the Cotton Bowl when it was the Dallas Burn. So I have a relationship with soccer that goes back a long way. And then I just enjoy watching Premier League soccer, especially once it got to the place where you could watch all of the teams. And it wasn't just you get one weekly Manchester United and whoever it is that they're playing one of those games per week beamed into the United States on the previous choices that we had for watching soccer. You're
2: you're not like Stein. You're not a Manchester City fan, are you?
0: No, the team that I like the most is Arsenal. Mm -hmm. And without getting into a long, drawn-out description about it, there are some some characteristics of Arsenal's franchise at that club that I think make it sort of a kindred spirit with the Mavs. And so uh, that's why I like them.
1: Mark, you've been terrific, and we appreciate you coming on and talking to us and enlightening us, not only about the Mavericks, but about soccer, about what it's like in the booth with two guys who are cramping your style. And uh, What about all that baseball talk? And all the be- be- no, no, that was what he said before we went on the air. No, 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 we talked baseball. Did we talk baseball right yeah, away? See, Did we? Your
2: memory is, is, is I'm frightening sorry, me. I
1: can't remember what I had for breakfast. Uh, I'm looking
0: forward to a Rangers season. Party guys, I, I plan on being in attendance a lot out at Globe Life Park this year. Well, so, we, uh, let's get some baseball. Come so, by the press box and see us; it'd be great. We're anytime.
2: We're, we're going to have Evan Gr- do a podcast with Evan Grant from Surprise in, in a few minutes. Uh, that we'll also have today one as, well, as well as one with John Machado. John Machado talking about the Cowboys and the Combine. Have you been glued to the Combine?
0: Fine. good for you I, I i have not unfortunately but i like that you're gonna have a podcast with evan i see evan's tweets and i feel like that evan and i besides of our love of baseball we're sort of kindred spirits and that we like to talk about food food shops on the road <laughs> that's
2: so. that, that's frightening i think that's a good way to end this That's uh, a uh, <laughs>
0: and, 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 anything that anybody
2: has to do with evan is frightening i just want to uh say we like you anyway
0: to you guys and i hope that uh, this is not my solo and one and only appearance absolutely on not
1: absolutely no, not no. we'll have you back as soon as possible you'll, you'll be sick of us by the time this is over
0: call anytime i would love to do it all right thanks, thanks mark man. okay see you guys take care
1: and there goes mark followell great to have him on He's, he
2: lied he doesn't want to do this again you don't you think, think so he, no. i don't think he would have brought
1: it up if he didn't want to do it again why I, wouldn't he want to do it again who wouldn't want to talk to us
2: <laughs> you want we can we can drop let's <laughs> drop the list, okay?
1: Yeah, there's probably a lot of people on that list. Anyway, all right. So, uh, as, as Barry mentioned earlier, we have other podcasts coming up this week. One with Evan Grant, in which he has an interview with Colby Lewis. Right. Uh, which
2: who, is, has, who has more ailments, do you think, Colby or Evan?
1: Colby. I, I bet Evan's probably just uh, beating him down with the things oh that are the matter. I
2: hope they don't say, "Oh, Evan goes." Oh, I know. Let me tell you about my my stomach ailments. We're
1: going to talk, but I'm going to grill Evan also about the fact that he he made it sound like that. Oh, there's no way Ian Desmond would come here. And now look, who's the new left fielder? Ian
2: Desmond. Ian Desmond, a shortstop. A shortstop. That's right. Imagine that. So
1: we're going to talk about all that. So make sure you come back and listen to those other podcasts as well. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.